We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. It is a weekend edition of the show. And listen, I've been trying to come up with some fun exercises for uh, looking, evaluating, and predicting. And this one is more of an evaluation side of things with Andrew Barry and his performances and drafts. As too often, I see comments from people, especially with Perry on Winfrey's situation, uh, coming about this week. It's another Andrew Barry bl- blown draft pick. And, and really, it's an interesting study, and it's super subjective, right? So you guys might not share the same opinion as me and the guest here in just a moment are going to share, but I think we have a decent formula for how to go about this. So I haven't had John Colosimo on in a while. If you know John, you've, you've paid attention to this show for a while, and so many of you are leaving such nice comments on the other uh, reviews. I, again, thank you so much for that. If you haven't reviewed the show, go review it on Apple or Spotify. Uh, don't matter. Again, not asking for you to do anything. I'm not persuading you to give it, give anything, but a review is always very, very much appreciated. Uh, welcome, John. In he, John has had he's in he's in the thick of the three child game, and his time is hard to come by. So when we do get half hour, forty five minutes, this is this is golden time, John. We're we're happy to have you, man. Yeah, appreciate it. It's uh, also a nice getaway when I can do it, you know, like when I can do it without falling flat on my face on my keyboard. <laughs> That's the challenge. I tell John he's got to like take an Adderall or something like, <laughs> like an hour before we start to get the juices flowing to make sure he's ready to have a lively conversation during a not so lively time, should I add. So we're even more blessed to have John here with us. So John, the goal today is, you know, you hit me up this morning. I was like, oh man, he can podcast. Let's pick a good topic. I was hoping you had one lined up. You didn't. What do you want to talk about? I dread that question, partly because I do this every day and I have run out of things to talk about so often. But anyway, I kept, I kind of thought mid I'm like, let's evaluate Andrew Barry. So we came up with a formula for evaluating the draft, which I just think has a lot of misconceptions around this. And what I want to do before we start is lay out a couple caveats. We don't have some formula that's perfect. We literally made it up before we started. And, but I think it's going to be fair because 
we have uh, a, a, a number grade we're going to give these players and then we're going to have a uh, paired in review according to where they were selected because the seventh round picks expectation is not the same as the first round pick expectation right so we also don't have a rest of the league comparison so i'm not going to be able to sit here at the end of the show and tell you well andrew barry actually is the second best drafter in the afc north uh, maybe some other evaluation tool we can see out there at some point will tell us this answer but for now we don't have that uh um we'll have that answer so here's what we'll do i'll just explain how we're going to do it and we can go through it and again this is an exercise that you could have your own opinion on some things and i'm always interested in hearing those so you know how to find me and give me those opinions uh, should you be so willing uh the the grades we're going to use are zero through five so the 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 zero is exactly what it sounds like zero impact they either don't make the roster or they make it they're going to practice squad they never see it right zero impact the second one is makes the 53-man roster but doesn't have an impact, right? Maybe he makes one special teams or whatever. He's around, but no impact. The second, so number two is he makes this, he makes the roster, obviously, and makes a small impact. He has a bigger role in special teams. You notice him maybe getting on the field every now and again. That's, that's, that's number two. Number three is a starter, so a guy who plays and starts 50% of the games he's able to. That kind of helps out with guys who are drafted. Uh, and hurt a little bit looking at you jacob phillips uh four is an impact starter so they play a key role there you know it when you see it basically is how john and i thought about this before the show so an impact starter and then the fifth one is a pro bowler right we're not going to go into all pros and stuff like that you would know that that's obviously a five and if we had a bunch of those which would be great we'd start giving out sixes and sevens but for now we're just going to say pro bowlers a five so the other thing we're going to grade is uh based on where they were selected did they go at expectation below expectation for where they were selected or above expectation for where they were selected which is the second layer to the criteria here so any other things to add to that john in terms of like what people should know about this just one. scientific formula go ahead <laughs> just one right so when we're working on this one to five scale or zero to five scale in terms of uh, their rating what you need to understand is uh, these guys are on rookie deals and so once you get to three as a starter, just as a starter, um, you are accruing um, value for the franchise in terms of salary cap. You know, so you have to understand that as soon as you get to that starter level, you are saving the team millions of dollars in cap space by being able to have a starter um you know, on a, on a rookie deal. And now obviously that means a little bit something different. If you are one in 15 or 16 team now, um, or if you're a playoff contender, that makes a big difference, obviously, right? Is he has, you know, being a starter on the Texans is different than frankly, being a starter on the Browns right now. So say what you want about your disappointments. This is a team that, you know, has been, you know, 500 or above or like around 500, <clears throat> For the last couple of years, um, they compete. It's not like being on the Texans um, the last year or two. So I just want to point that out. You know, if you have a starter on a rookie deal, you are accruing millions of dollars in cap savings for a team. So it's a it's a bigger deal than you'd think. Well said. Okay, let's jump into this thing. So Andrew Barry gets hired uh, end of January in 2020. And, um, I think we figured out that the, I remember now, I couldn't think of his name offhand. It was him and George Payton, right out in Denver who were head to head. Payton didn't actually get a job until this past year when he was hired in Denver. And I think he's the one 
at the spearhead of the Russell Wilson trade, right? So, correct. Uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. There were no other yeah. serious contenders at that time, and I know that there was a lot of interest in Peyton, like you said, John, because of the Kevin Stefanski connection, you know? Correct. Yeah, he was in Minnesota for a very long time, uh, well-respected, yeah. um, you know. So Worked under Spielman, right? Correct. Before Spielman was done. Worked under Spielman, and then he did his own show for a few years before he, uh, before this little showdown, if you want to call it that. Um, I was good with either one of these guys at the time. Uh, mm -hmm. Peyton mostly because there would be some continuity, uh, as we, you know, anybody who has followed Cleveland for any minimum amount of time understands uh, some of the struggles that we have had between the front office and the coaching staff. So um, I'm glad that it worked out the way it did. Um, certainly seeing the results right now, but um, I was good at the time with either one of these candidates. Yeah, I was too. So to hindsight, it is, uh, is probably not fair. I think a lot of us, like you said, were in the same boat. So, Okay, we'll start with the first pick that they made in 2020, uh, which is uh, ironically a player who may be under, there may not be a player other than Deshaun Watson, who I don't think counts, uh, with more pressure on them this upcoming season. That's Jedrick Wills. Pick 10 in that draft. Uh, players picked behind him. I do think it matters because if you recall, John, that was like a, that was like a five tackle draft that had all a whole bunch of names at the top of the tackle. Like it was a great year to need an offensive, which tackle. you never see, which you never see, you never way. see, you never do. And they were at the spot. And it's like the only one off the board was Andrew Thomas, who a lot of us love. Now reminder, Andrew Thomas had a really rough rookie season and then has turned it on the past two years and played exceptional football. But they take Jedrick Wills at 10. The guys behind him were Mackay Becton and obviously Tristan Wirfs. So this one to me, is uh, it's a bit challenging. I think that there were a lot of promising moments in his rookie season. And then uh, his, you know, looking at his grades, I think is a fair way to look at it just for the sake of a clear level of understanding. To me, there's more nuance to all of this, but he's had uh, pressures allowed uh, over his three years, 20, 28, and 41. So 41 was his worst pressure allowed season this past year. Um the pass blocking grade has gone down over the past two years and the run blocking grade went up his second year, but slid back down. I don't want to get too detailed about every single player, but Jedrick is one of the only super serious, you know, we, we're going to talk a little more about first rounders than seventh he's, rounders. He's the only, so, yeah. I mean, besides yeah. Greg Newsom, I mean, we only have two first rounders to talk about here. So it yeah. it is, I, I think it's tough. He's, I wish I could say he's been an impactful starter. I don't know that he has been, at that impactful level. He has not proven himself yet to be a core part of this. The guy is, I continue my stance. There are some people on Twitter who are just absolutely bananas and attacking Jedrick Wills. It's, it's, it's over the top. And oftentimes the examples of what they pick on are hilariously wrong, but there are plenty of examples. I don't see posted, which I typically will hit on in chalk talk shows. I do film reviews of things he does do wrong, quitting plays too early. The effort is not always there. I have got to think that Callahan just, he, he he drives Callahan nuts. He, there's no way I can watch the same game and not see this this helmet cam stuff is what I call it. He will do on occasion where he just doesn't finish plays. He doesn't have a nasty streak. But you'll watch sometimes where he does these crazy athletic feats, and it's there, but he's not put it together yet. Now, he's still young, man. He's not even turned 24 yet. So there is plenty of time this young man can. But if I have to give him a grade right now, I would say he's a three. He's a starter. He's not a core part of this whole thing yet. 
but I'm curious your thought on the number. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, he's a three. It, where I uh, tend to gravitate toward, especially with kind of some of the vitriol that you see, and these they aren't similar players. We're really kind of talking about expectation, but um, who was it? Um, wh- what's the name of the guy that uh, Kansas City drafted number one overall? Um, Fisher, right? Eric Fisher. So that's who I, I, I tend to kind of gravitate towards when we talk about Jed. Because Eric Fisher, this guy was drafted number one overall, and this is when you had to pay. Um, Central Michigan, number yeah, one overall. Yeah. And you had to What's pay, that? like, he was, you know, when you paid the rookies at that time before the rookie wage scale, they were setting the market um, on uh, veteran deals. And so, like, expectation wise, I, I, I tend to think about him when I think about Jed, even though they're, they're different players. And, you know, Fisher was probably like a, you know, like just a make it easy evaluation, like, you know, a 70s type um, PFF guy um, eventually for a good portion of his career. Um, And you just I think what you have to remember when it comes to tackles is just the poor state of them overall in the game. Yes, I think three is the right the right number, um, uh, but you really just have to put it in perspective of what is available at the tackle position across the league where everybody needs to, um, at least to, just to start games. So yeah, if Fisher is the guy I think about, um, three is the right number for me. And I would, I would, you might not agree with me, but I would say he's below what we expected. Now this doesn't define where he can go. He could have a great season. It's an important year. And I think he should be expected to have a great season because if you don't figure it out in a contract year, and we'll still see, you know, they, there's certainly leverage. The, the fifth year option should be picked up. It hasn't happened yet because that that deadline is not here yet. But I expect him to have his fifth year option picked up. But but right now is the important time. If he has a stellar year, he's going to get a new contract. This is now or never for him. Let me take that back. It's actually not never, right? He could he could yeah. get better somewhere else. He could figure it out somewhere else because he's so young, like I was saying. But from a Browns perspective of we need you to, to show us sort of what you really are here, man, because we have to make some tough choices. It is a now or never for the Browns. They, they can't just bank on giving him some deal that presumes he's going to figure it out while some other team could give him some cheaper deal, right? I just don't think that ever works out that way where it's like, well, you know, We'll give Jed this cheaper deal. He'll want to stay here and it'll work. It doesn't work out that way. You know what I mean? Never does. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we say that Jed is a three and he is below the high expectations that come with being the 10th overall pick. Agreed. Okay. So next one is Grant Delpit. He's pick 44. Obviously, if you recall this draft, it is a um, a draft that the, that the Browns end up sort of being simultaneously uh, – place next to the Buccaneers because the, the Bucks took Jedrick or sorry, they took Tristan Wirfs pick 13 uh, right after, although, you know, Mekhi Becton went in between Wills and Wirfs, but it's right there. And then they had the pick directly after Cleveland and they took a safety. So they took Antoine Winfield jr. And as you know, is, uh, has made a pro bowl. So yeah, yeah, it, this is tough, <laughs> right? Grant grants tough largely because Grant, got hurt in such a serious way to start right his career. It's no so, joke. That, that's not a you know he, yeah. didn't, he didn't get banged up with some soft tissue stuff 
he blew out his freaky freaky achilles injury in camp so it's it's a it's tough to say he's not i'm gonna say he's a three as well he's a second round pick i think he's a three he's a starter 50 percent now if he has another good year he came on last year he led the NFL and stop tackles from the safety position. Now, largely that indicates that your run defense guys up front suck, but uh, that's still something, right? So his his leading the league from the safety position in those tackles, he's made some great strides. You know, they always talk about guys talk about off Achilles injuries. It takes two years to come back. And uh, I would say that last year we started to see the guy. I would say he started 50% of eligible games because he started a lot of games in the back portion of 2021. So Grant's a three, and I would say he's about at what I expected him to be. I could be talked into being lower, but the lower would be because of the injury to me. Yeah, I, you know, even at, I'm factoring in the uh, the injury on that. And I'm okay. in agreement that it's an at expectation, um, second-round pick. Um, I'm sorry, like, you know, uh, if you want to knock a B on the pick uh, – it's pretty hard to knock anybody for a pick that blew out an Achilles uh, coming into the league. Not, not you drafted a guy with an Achilles injury, but you brought him into camp and then he had an Achilles. And that's just not AB's fault. So I, I think he's had expectations on a three. I'm agreement. Safeties that were taken after him. Antoine Winfield, we already referenced. Jeremy Chin, who I liked a pretty good amount coming out of Southern Illinois. He's had a nice little run, so... Uh, Ashton Davis, these are guys not the top of the third round. Uh, Ashton Davis, Brandon Jones by Miami. Then the uh, Julian Blackman was taken by uh, oh, okay. the Colts out of Utah, uh, who has had a nice little run. So it was a nice safety group. And I think, again, Grant came on really well last year. It's a, it's a great close to the year. I think I'm excited for him. Now, I think he's ultimately going to play too well that he prices himself out of the Browns uh, because of contract stuff here if he plays another good season. But um I think he's trending up, whereas Jedrick, we're like, hmm, I don't really know where Jed's trending. He's a roller coaster. Uh, Okay, next pick. Two picks in the third round. We can kind of start to pick the pace up with some of these guys later. Jordan Elliott, um, pick 88 in the third round. So he's a defensive tackle. Had a lot of people with high hopes for him because of his higher PFF rating in college, where if I find – let me see if I can find this real quick. That would have been the 2019 college season. He had – uh, he he didn't block. He played defense, so that's where the grade would be. Um, let me see if it comes up. He had a 92.4 grade in 2019. Uh, 20. He had 34 pressures in Missouri, uh, four sacks, nine hits, 21 hurries, 30 tackles, 28 stop tackles. He was stellar from a grading perspective, um, but it didn't. It hasn't translated, man. So if you look at his NFL career so far, his grades have been. Very disappointing. 51.3 and 350 snaps, then 41.6. And last year it went down somehow to a 40.4. He's put together 35 pressures across three seasons and 1,517 snaps. So he's played 794 pass rush snaps and had 35 total pressures. Um, He just finally last year became a starter. I don't think that quite qualifies for a three. <sighs> I'm torn between a one and a two. He made the roster small impact. I probably would say we lean toward a two there. That's just my hunch. The the number one is he makes the roster with no impact. And I could be convinced he made no impact, but he has played a lot. He does have 55 tackles. He's three sacks, 32 stop tackles. I think it's just a small impact 
for him. So I would say this is my grade. And again, you can categorize us both on the sheet for any differences that we might have. I would go with a two and a below expectation, even though pick 88 is a bit of a wild card and it's around the range that the Browns are going to pick this year to give yourself some expectations again. Yeah. Uh, I'm in agreement with that. Uh, you know, below and a two seems right. Um, he is, you know, has been on his last leg, uh, you know, since probably the second game of the season last year. So um, it, you know, I, I thought this was a solid pick at the time. And again, like people have to remember that the draft is a crapshoot. And, you know, I think, you know, what would be good if we have time, Jake, and if I'm, you know, if I'm on next week, I would love to, you know, you talked about the context. We can't do a perfect full league study, but I would love to do like a little poll uh, out of your account on Twitter of some account that, you know, people think is a really good drafter, um, you know, and then do this again next week uh, with somebody that people regard as a, as a good NFL drafter so that we can get a little context outside of the Browns. But yeah, so I would say below average and a two makes a lot of sense. We don't have a lot of hope for him going forward, um, you know, but I, I didn't think it was a bad pick at the time. Um, sometimes they just don't work out. Actually, most times they don't work out. That's true. Here's um, I like to do positions after, right? So uh, McTelvin Ingram, uh, no, McTelvin Agim, Agim, Agim. I don't know. A-G-A-I-M. I remember studying him out of Arkansas was the next defensive tackle selected number 95 by Denver. He has had 17 games in the NFL. Um, next defensive tackle after that is Likai Fotu from Utah, who has had uh, 45 games for Arizona. And then that's a couple more. James Lynch, Richard Lewis were uh, the next two. You might be saying who, and that's justifiable. So it's not like there was a defensive tackle there that they just completely whiffed on. Now players around them that they could point to and say, um, you know, could they have selected this guy? It's tough, right? Um, Alex Highsmith has put together a couple nice seasons now for Pittsburgh. He was pick 102. I'm just not looking at this and seeing – a bunch of players in the immediate range right after that I would have preferred to have. Uh, there really, really isn't. I'm kind of scrolling down into the 120s now, and that's out of the range of where people were taking players. So that gets too far. So I don't view this as a total draft whiff because of what was there around in the position players, uh, not only the players around him, but the position that he came from. But based on, again, what has he done? It's a miss. It's just, it's, it's not, it's just, and again, it's not to say that it's a missed evaluation. It's just, he didn't turn out to be okay. Right. So I, I think that it's important to kind of look at the nuance of all of this too. Uh, I think that's always imperative. So uh, next is Jacob Phillips. Jacob Phillips is pick 97. This one is tough because Jacob Phillips has obviously uh, been hurt so much. He has played 687 snaps in three years, 244 his rookie year. Um, 123 in 2021 and 320 in 2022. Uh, the grades are kind of moot. He's had five pressures, three sacks, 66 tackles, 39 stop tackles. Um, he makes the roster, but he's made no impact. I would give him a two 
and then I would say it's hard to say again he's below he's pick 97 I guess you do have to go below because of the injuries I think is what pushes me there like you just it's not something that they can control so it's hard but I kind of think still in the third round I would say he's a bit below what we was we were hoping he could be right I don't think our expectations are crazy here but I just don't think the for what we would hope I don't think he's been what we would have hoped and I wasn't hoping for an all pro, but just, you know, solid linebacker play can't, can't stay on the field. Agreed. And, uh, I'll, you know, I should admit a little bit of my priors here. I did not like him at, when he was chosen, uh, was not one of my favorite picks. Um, so I have him as below and I have him as a one, um, which you can go one, two, uh, you know, that, is, it's a small distinction in that in that department as far as what we see. On Actually, Sunday. I'm sorry. I, I would have a one there as well. I, he's okay. not making an impact. Yeah. He's not even okay. – there's no – you can't say a small impact because of the – he's just not played enough. Yeah. So that's on that's my bad. I'm also a one. Uh, so picks we, around him uh, – no, go ahead. My bad. No, no, it was it. Yep, go ahead. All right, so picks around him. The next pick immediately after him was Malik Harrison. I mean, Malik Harrison hasn't been very good, but he's played 47 games. Yeah. Like if he's played 20. So that's a huge difference. Uh, but again, next linebackers, edge rushers, they all label them the same in some of these draft looks. So Highsmith's labeled a linebacker, but he's an edge, right? Davion Taylor, Philly is a Colorado guy. Um, next linebacker in the fourth round, Mikel Walker, who's played 49 games, uh, at least been active, right? Uh, yeah. A couple years, a couple years listed as a starter. So he's played a lot of snaps. He has, 104 tackles to his credit, according to Pro Football Reference, where Jacob Phillips has 57. So, um, you know, there's a couple guys there that they could have selected. Uh, otherwise, other linebackers, uh, Troy Dye from Oregon, not really made an impact at the NFL level. And then Shaquille Quarterman was the last one in the fourth round. So I'm not going to go too many rounds past. But yeah, feel good about what our take is on Phillips there. So, uh, Harrison Bryant is next. Harrison Bryant has, let me try to pull up his stats so that we're on the same page. I don't have all the, I can't have 37 tabs open at one time. Sorry about that guys. <laughs> He's been oddly consistent in his three years in the NFL so far. It's pretty strange. 24 catches for 238 and three touchdowns his rookie year, 21 catches, 233 and three touchdowns his second year. 31 catches, 239 yards, and a touchdown his third year. So 238, 233 through 239. It was a baseball player who hit the same average for like five straight years. I cannot remember who it was. <laughs> I should know this. I should know this, and someone's laughing at me because I don't. I, 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 I cannot think of who it is. Oh, it was um, – he played with the A's for a while. I'm going to figure out this answer, but um, – Chris Davis. Oh, I got there live there on the show. Go. Chris Davis. Here we go. I'll read these to you. Chris Davis went uh, a little bit of a power hitter, but he hit 247 for four straight seasons was his batting average. And he had a lot of at-bats, 446, 10, 652, and 654, and it hit the same batting average. That's pretty crazy statistical anomaly there. So uh, kind of weird what Harrison Bryant's doing. He he's to me, Bryant, uh, a pretty decent blocker. He fights hard. He plays hard. He's probably not been a starter enough because there's been Njoku and Hooper in front of him for too many, but he's a two, a high end two. 
and he's at expectation. He's kind of what I thought he would be. I, I thought he'd be a decent role-playing tight end. You could convince me you thought there was more, and you could say he's below, but based on what I saw, like I could just see a, a average athlete, and he, he plays every week for the most part. Uh, he catches the football, doesn't gain much after the catch. He's just an at expectation, small impact guy, but that's a bit, you know, it could be what they were expecting him to be. Agreed. I have an at and like a two. Um, <clears throat> he, um, yeah, when you're talking about a, you know, a fourth round guy uh, out of a small school in a position that takes several years to acclimate to, actually, one of the two longest. Um, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, longest developing positions in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what's going to happen to him in the future, but I definitely, there's no part of me that would say that that's a miss. It's just, uh, you know, it, it, it's actually a fairly solid pick for where he was. Next tight end selected Albert Okuebenam, the uh, Missouri tight end who was taken by the Broncos. Uh, with pick, let me see here. He was pick 118, so three picks later. He has 54 for 546 and 4 through his career, while Bryant has 76, 7, 10, and 7. They had high expectations for him last year in Denver, and he couldn't get on the field. Next tight end, Colby Parkinson, who has not done uh, all too much in Seattle, 32 for 371. And Bryson Hopkins in the fourth round to L.A., he has eight catches for 118 in his career, and that is sort of it. So this is what's interesting. We are saying some of these guys are hitting below, right? But outside of Jacob Phillips, and you're trying to angle it maybe for the Alex Highsmith, but that's a different type of role, there's not a ton that you should be like, they missed for that guy. That's something I think is important to evaluate here. The, the nuance of like, there's not just a bunch of people in this 2020 draft who are sitting there that they missed on Great. so far. Um, next is Nick Harris, who again, just injury luck, man didn't play his first year, had a, a but, but had some strong showings um, as a, well, let me take that back. He played some guard his rookie year and we could tell he wasn't a guard. Then he played last year. He got in finally in that COVID game, uh, in Green Bay in 2021 and looked really good against Kenny Clark, had high expectations for him, and then he gets hurt. He's a fifth-round pick. It is such lottery ticket bill out here. He is a one. He's made the roster. He's not made an impact, not because I don't think he can play, but Agreed. just because they've had really good players in front of him. He's mm-hmm. at what I expected. I, I'm not going to put him below because he tore the ACL. It's one isolated injury, while Jacob Phillips is like every year has been injuries. So I'm saying he's an ad expectations player so far. If he comes back this year and is able to play, if Poachage goes down, that's that's successful to me. So he's a one, but he's about what I would expect for a fifth round pick, pick 160 in the draft. Absolutely. I mean, I think what uh, the only thing I'd add to what you said is uh, people got to remember, you know, we just signed uh, we just signed Poachage to a, an extension here, who played a very good year. Nick Harris beat him out. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know he was slated to be the the starter, and that doesn't mean like that would have gone that way for the season. But I think it's notable that here's a guy that uh, that beat out a guy we just gave an extension to. So I, I'm in agreement. Um, you know, you can't give him more than a one, and I wouldn't give him less than an app. 
So the only other center that had much success from this class is this Tyler B I A D S D A S Z Bides Tyler Bides Bides. I'm probably screwing that up. Uh, Wisconsin center. He he was picked 146, so he was gone when the Browns had a chance to get him. I'm looking at just Pro Bowls in this class. One, two, three, four, seven, eight, nine, eleven, twelve. Fourteen players is all the more Pro Bowl players there are in this entire class. That's crazy. Three That's years out of ago. how many total? Out of how many total players? Uh huh. Oh, um, boy, two, two hundred and fifty-five. Yeah, that's. I think that's bananas. An, that's a strong point to make here because I think people have like delusions of grandeur when it comes yeah. to like crushing a draft and getting Pro Bowlers. Like, so, like some people base their entire views of draft on how many Pro Bowlers you get as if there's that many to get. And uh, I think, you know, what you're talking about, would you say 14? 13, actually. 13. So, you know, 13, you're talking about, um, you know, I mean, a tiny percentage. You're talking about, you know, I mean, frankly, like I said, like only only 13 teams got one. Maybe maybe one of these guys got on um, on the same team, whatever the case. But it's a tiny percentage out of – hundreds of players so i think it's worth pointing out it is and, and a lot of the players that the browns could have selected at the top of like the the weighted value of their career so far are guys that were gone before pick 44 guys available after at or after 44 that have had the highest top 15 weighted careers so far uh Okay, uh, let me see here. Jeremy Chin, so that's one you could argue. Uh, Chin has had 194 tackles, three, two picks, three sacks. Uh, they're not going to take Jonathan Taylor, a running back, at pick 41. The question is, it's tough. Jalen Hurts, right? Should they have been more interested in continuing to take dart throws at quarterbacks? But Baker was coming off a pretty strong 2020, so I don't think you could make that argument there. I, I really don't. So last one in this class is Donovan Peoples-Jones, 187. I mean, he's an easy four for me, and he's an easy above expectation. I mean, just getting a guy who has had 1,740 yards, eight touchdowns, 109 catches in the sixth round at 187 is, is as big a home run as you'll find in the sixth round in probably many recent drafts, to be completely honest. So that deserves a ton, a ton of credit. So, uh, yeah, Donovan Peoples-Jones... Uh, is is i'm looking here at the sixth just just the sixth round alone not many guys are even starting <laughs> multiple games like martin starting multiple seasons so yeah he has the highest him and john runyon who's gotten some run in green bay because of battle lines he's not john runyon jr is not really worth even considering too much but like quez Watkins, who's kind of had a little bit of success in philly uh, jordan fuller has had some success in la but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's been an impact starter for them and isn't above what anybody could have expected out of a six round guy. Yeah, that's a home run pick. All right. Uh, it's a big deal to to be able to, you know, get a player like this in the sixth round. Uh, he's probably getting an extension here. Um, he's been above expectation for me as a pick, like way above, way above expectation in the sixth. Um, and uh, yeah, I got him as a three but a three plus almost, you know, I mean, um, this guy's definitely, uh, that's, a, that's a, probably the best pick in this, in this draft for AB. 
as far as what pro football focus labels as a weighted career approximate value, not going to dig into pro football references rating how they get there, but this is a rating review for what they've made impact wise to their team. He has an 18, um, I think is what he has. Let me make sure uh, I'm seeing him right here. Darnell Mooney was taken 173, so he's had a nice run. So two late receivers have had bigger impacts. Trying to find, actually, they gave him a 16. So he's uh, the same as like Cesar Ruiz, who's a first-round pick, Kenneth Murray, Jerry Judy, the same career uh, value so far as Jerry Judy. So (laughs) that's a nice. Jerry Judy has like 500 more yards and one more touchdown. So you feel okay about that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. All right, now for 2021. The Browns had eight picks in the 21 draft. So first pick would be Greg Newsom, who they selected at 26. He's had 27 games as a starter. Uh, Newsom has had a lot of starts outside his rookie year, a bunch of starts inside here in, in the nickel role predominantly in his second year. I think he's a four and impact starter. He has had a key role, uh, but I think he's at expectation. I don't think he's been above it. He's just been about that solid corner that I wanted him to be. And I think if he gets back in the role, Newsom that I think he's most comfortable occupying, I think people forget how promising his rookie season was. So uh, I, again, tried to remind people of that earlier on my pod this week about how good his outside uh, debut was and and just like people being kind of down on him a little bit because he moved inside and all it comes with changing that role. So uh, you're looking at um, 14 pass breakups, hasn't had an interception yet, but 14 pass breakups over two years, um, 27 stop tackles, 70 total tackles, two coverage grades above 70 in the really good range. So a lot to like there about Greg Newsom. So I go four and then an ad expectation because he's a first round guy. That's exactly what I have, Jake. Um, that's um, yeah, he is an impact starter. He's a core player. Um, that that's where I like to get with these. You know, maybe even some threes, but definitely fours. 
or those kind of core players, there used to be a formula for that, right? Like you needed to have 23 or something like that. I can't remember the exact number of core players, but they're solid quality players for your team. And there was a number that you were at um, where you could expect kind of playoff contention. But um, yeah, I think he's, you know, he's at a critical position. Um, I think it was a little rough, um, you know, having him on the inside, probably have him back on the outside this year. Uh, But yeah, absolutely. Impact player. He's a four and has met all the expectations that I would have out of the 26th, you know, overall pick in the draft. Yeah. Then you start looking at um, kind of angling it around who was available at that spot. So Rashad Bateman went to pick after. I know a lot of us liked him, but he's had injury issues through two years, not been the player we thought he'd be only 800 receiving yards. Peyton Turner has been a disappointment in New Orleans. I know a lot of us liked him. Eric Stokes, uh, closest comp. Uh, would be, uh, you know, uh, Eric Stokes is, uh, I'm going to restart that. It's going to be a heavy editing episode. So Green Bay's takes uh, at 29, Eric Stokes, who was fine, right? He was kind of, uh, he was kind of fine. Uh, I don't think he's been overwhelmingly good or anything. I think he's been uh, pretty, pretty decent, probably a step behind Newsom. Uh, Greg Russo, Adafe, Adafe Owe. And then Joe Tryon Shoyinka, uh, who I like, uh, but has not quite hit his stride. So the next DB you could sort of argue, I mean, like Tyson Campbell, I think they made the right pick. And I don't see a corner that has uh, a bunch of immense value that we're missing here in terms of the guy that they should have, right, uh, done that with. So that's, uh, we'll just leave it at that. I mean, like maybe Asante Samuel. Maybe. Yeah, that would be, I, I that, would be I, the one, that was the other one that I used to mock. You know, for the Browns, and he's been he's been very good. But I mean, I don't think you could argue that Greg Newsom was a good pick. No, I, I don't think you can either. And I don't think that there's like some clear cut they should have selected this guy over him. In okay. my opinion, if you're looking at how they weighed out those careers, like Newsom has a um, a seven number there, Stokes has a six. It's hard because they seem to slant toward some of these defensive lines. Well, they accumulate uh, too. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. you know, when we're talking about a 16 for Donald Peoples Jones, he has next year in the league. Um, you know, so it's, it's a cumulative number when you're talking about that value. Uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Compared to year to year, I'm looking at his like sort of some of the, the, the classmates here, like Javon Holland, the safety, but the Browns didn't need a safety. They'd already spent on safety. Uh, trying to see if there's anybody else that would jump off in terms of what their value has been so far. No, I don't, I don't feel like we need to go crazy there. I think Newsom was fine for the spot he was taking. Uh, I don't have any immediate. They should have taken this guy over him issues there. Um, JOK is the next one. He's picked 52. He's played uh, 25 games. So two less than Newsom. Uh, so he's had, you know, uh, the injury that ended his season this year, but uh, I don't think it's been some sort of huge injury bug for him. He had an ankle injury in his rookie season that hand, uh, hindered some of the middle of the year, but I think the second year was a letdown for what we were hoping based on the rookie year, but there were still a lot of really promising moments. He has 70 stop tackles in two seasons, which is phenomenal. 116 total tackles, which tells you that 70 of his 116 tackles have constituted a failure for the offense. Three sacks, 16 total pressures, 11 hurries, 
six passes defended. So all really, really good stuff uh, from him. So I think JOK is an impact starter when he's out there. He's key role impact starter. And I think he's been what I've expected so far. Can't say he's above, but he's been what I've expected so far. So I'm going again, another four and a number, another at. I'm in agreement. Um, you know, and I, I just make this quick point. Uh, we had the worst defensive tackles in the NFL last year. And um, it makes evaluation of linebackers. And I don't care whether you're 250 pounds or 200 pounds. Um, if you have absolute crap when it comes to your defensive tackle, I remember Ray Lewis struggling the year before they got nada. I remember that, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, so I'm not going to say like that I have, what I'm saying is they've taken massive steps to shore that up this year. And so if you had a disappointing year in terms of what you expected out of JOK, I'm talking to the fans here, just in general, uh, you should, you know, stay your opinion for a year. And, and find out, like, you know, you want to, if, if he comes in and has a similar year, he's banged up and um, doesn't look good uh, in front of these better DTs, um, you can have a much stronger opinion. But um, the idea that anybody wants to make some kind of sweeping judgment after this last year is uh, beyond me. Um, just because I've watched linebackers of all shapes and sizes of all kind of pedigree, um, if they don't have the guys in front of them doing their jobs, then... Uh, I don't expect them to do a whole lot with regards yeah. to uh, their job. So, yeah. The guy after him, the next linebacker taken was Nick Bolton, who's been pretty good. I mean, he's, if, if JOK is an eight career uh, the, of the weighted average so far, whatever they call this scale, uh, he is an eight. They have uh, Bolton at a 13. Bolton has 178 tackles and two interceptions, two sacks, while JOK, according to PF Pro Football Reference, has 94 tackles and one and a half sacks so again some stat collection places do things a little differently there but um and then the next one is pete werner ohio state uh, product at pick 60 i think you could you could argue that uh in a sense they they could have just stayed where they were um and and selected jok or selected either of those two and it would have been fine i kind of agree with that somewhat but you have to remember the kansas city defensive lines pretty, pretty good uh, over mm -hmm. the years and then you know i think the same can be said for the saints so those two are dealing with much better fronts uh, to give them a chance to play that position with a bit more freedom in my opinion so that's something worth taking note okay uh anthony schwartz i don't think we have to waste much time he's been um he makes the roster and he makes no he's a one and he's below I didn't yep. have high expectations for him, but he's found a way to be below. So um, that's a, that's all I got. I'm not going to not going to go too crazy on it. As a as a perfect description, yes, I, yeah. I had no expectations to begin with, and he, uh, you know, was able to uh, get below that bar. So Nico Collins, the pick two slots slots before them, the Michigan kid uh, went to Houston. I, I continue to think that they wanted him, and they they sort of panicked a little bit. Agreed. Nico has not been great. He's had 70 catches for 927 through two years, three touchdowns. But Schwartz has 14 catches for 186 and one touchdown. So there you go. Not much of an impact. The other wide receiver that everybody seemed to miss on is a pick 112, Amon Ross St. Brown. 
196, yeah. 2073, and 11 touchdowns. So that's a failed spot, right? We've we've gone through many of these, and it's like, who else are you taking, right? As a huge part that's of the evaluation. Yeah. That's the first one. I think you could make an argument for the JOK one that you could say Nick Bolton or Pete Werner. I think you can refute that argument pretty easily. But this is the one where I'm like, hmm. Okay. You know, they took a guy who didn't test as well in David Bell. I'm on Ross St. Brown. You're interested, right? I understood the Schwartz pick from what they were wanting. They wanted a guy who could run. He's a world-class runner. I got it. But yeah, it's tough in hindsight. That's the first one where I've been like, "Mm, tough in hindsight. The next one is James Hudson uh, picked uh, pick 110. I'm trying to pull up uh, his stuff here because it's, again, offensive linemen and, and looking at uh, who they've been <laughs> is a bit challenging to just look at uh, some some of the way places evaluate these things. So, all right, James Hudson, if I could spell correctly, let's do that. He played more his rookie season than his second season, so that's certainly worth noting. He played uh, actually not as much more. He started more games. Let me put it that way. 303 snaps uh, his rookie year and then 296 last year. He played a bunch of snaps in week 18 against Pittsburgh this, this, uh, this past year. So that helps, but he actually started, if you recall, he started those first two games until Conklin came back as well, had a really good game against Carolina in week one, and then struggled against the jets where he gave up three pressures. So anyway, Hudson played, started three games. Uh, I would say a two small impact. Cause he's, he's, you know, he's been on the field for, for 29 games. Had some moments in a rookie year where I thought he just was sort of thrown out there because of the myriad of injuries they were going through in that group. Like he played a significant amount of snaps week four, five, six, 14, 17, and 18. Had a really good week 18 against Cincinnati last year. I would say he is, again, this is this is the tough part as we do this class and, and obviously last year's classes. Like the evidence is not altogether, it's not deep yet, but I would say he's a two. He made a small impact, and he's at what I expected him to be so far. Uh, I'm pretty close to you. I'm at a two for sure. Uh, I have him above. Fourth okay. round pick um, who um, I was like, what the F, when he was chosen. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think they did a pretty good, you know, this guy that was playing defensive line two years before they drafted him. Um you know, so, um, yeah, I, I have him. It's only a slight adjustment for me. I have him above expectation as a fourth rounder um, and a two. Next closest tackle selected to him, way down at pick 139, Deontay Smith, who did not play very many games. He had three for the Bengals. Uh, let me see here. And that, on that team, that's not a good sign. No, no, it's not. Dan Moore played some for Pittsburgh. He played, uh, he's played 33 games. So maybe you could point to Dan Moore, but no, Pittsburgh off. I think that was ugly too. Yeah. I think it is. There's really not a tackle that's just sitting there that, man, they really should have taken that guy around his pick. Guys of value. Well, I mean, two picks later is Amon Ross St. Brown, but they would not have doubled up a wide receiver like that. Um, Looking through. Ramondre Stevenson, but again, that's a running back. Dan Moore, we mentioned. Uh, Marco Wilson, this corner for Arizona. Uh, Royce Newman, a guard for Green Bay, has had some some run, thirty four games. But if there's really there's really not a ton of they should have gone this direction. So yeah, not 
not much. We said last year's class had how many Pro Bowlers? 13. This one has had um, 13 as well so far. So, again, this is like a real wake-up call for people that think you just can get Pro Bowlers. It's because the big names get all the attention, right? That's the ones that get talked about. Uh, Tommy Togiai is the next one. He's been really bad. He's a one because he makes the roster, but he's made no impact, and he's below my my minimal expectations. He's below that. Pick 132, Togiai. Yep, I consider it probably the worst pick that we've reviewed so far. Um, uh, yeah, it's been bad. I, you know, I – yeah, it's pretty close. So I have below, and yeah, he he makes it by a one just because he he showed up on the worst roster of DTs that I may have ever seen an NFL team field. So it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. All right. So looking around him, one thirty two. Again, it's it's sort of there's just not enough evidence of very many things. It, to, to Quan Graham with Atlanta. There's no clear cut answer to this right now. Uh, there's really, again, I don't know every player's roster and how good all of these guys have been. So it's hard to, to totally be perfect about this, but there's not anybody that particularly stands out to me from a defensive tackles perspective. It's like, Ooh, they really missed. They should have gotten, should have gotten that guy. So yeah, we'll just kind of leave it at that. Uh, there's not there's not a ton of uh, options out here. Roy Lopez has two sacks for Houston. That's not an ABC sitcom star. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Quincy Roche, maybe two and a half sacks for Pittsburgh. That's, again, it's a big reach. Seventh round pick defensive end Jonathan Cooper out of Ohio State has four and a half sacks in the NFL, 45 tackles. So that's way down there, though. It's hard to be mad, but it's just... It's not a very good pick. I mean, I but again, it's not like there's a ton of the talented guys that were around that range who are making some gigantic impact. So that's definitely worth noting. Um, Tony Fields, 153. He's started to show some signs last year. He did not play very much uh, his rookie year. I think he was hurt for a large portion of camp and then didn't play a ton uh, at all, really, uh, his rookie year. I think he might have had some special teams towards the end of the year. Trying to look at how many snaps he had. Yeah, he didn't have any snaps defensively in 21. 22, he had moments. He tackled pretty well. He's forced to play, um, you know, total 50 total grade run defenses of 50. Tackled well, 75.8. Pass rush, 63.7 and a 54.7 coverage grade. Like, I thought he had games. The Texans game, he was good. The Tampa Bay game, he was pretty good. Um, New Orleans, but uh, it's it's so early for him. I mean, it'd be a two because... He's had a small impact now where he's played 276 snaps, but it's hard to say whether he's at or below or above. I mean, he's not above. I guess he's pick 132. He's about what I, or sorry, 153. It's about what I would expect. So I'll give him a at and a two. Yeah, I think that's probably right. You know, um, he's had some injuries. We'll see where it goes, but he hasn't disappointed me. So, um, it kind of just is what it is. He's, you know, a cheap player on the roster uh, that can fill some holes right now, and we'll see what happens this year. Okay, Richard LeCount, pick 169. Uh, I mean, he's uh, he's not even on the – he's a zero. 
a zero below a pick 169 here and, and it's just <laughs> it just shows you like this is such a shot in the dark man like these picks at this spot i mean he was cut because obviously some personal issues for the young man the next safety selected only played three games joshua bledsoe for new england uh, i'm trying to see if there's another safety in the immediate range Br- brady breeze for tennessee has played in 11 games it hasn't started a game has five tackles there's not a ton here. Jacoby Stevens is pick 224. James Wiggins. I got nothing. There's not, it's not like there was some safety just, just sitting out there ready to make an impact, right? There were some corners. Brandon Eccles, who's with the Giants, or sorry, the Jets has had a decent impact. Um, yeah, man, I don't have much here. That Roy Lopez, the, the defensive tackle earlier, has had a pretty decent impact for the Texans uh, in his time so far. But, yeah, as far as, like, immediate safeties after uh, after the pick, I, I don't I don't really see much here. So it's bad because he turned out terrible, but it's not again. There was nothing really sitting here uh, just waiting to be that much better. I mean, there's a couple picks later. Uh, Demandre Lenore went to San Francisco out of Oregon. He's had 29 tackles and an interception. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. again, it's We're, like a, like a six-figure value. So there's not much. Yeah, it's a desert. I actually had some decent hopes for him because we so much needed a um, center fielder type, and I thought he was um, kind of inclined that way, but it didn't work out, uh, and he's and he's gone. Uh, but I still wouldn't call it a below-expectation pick. Um you know, based on you're in you're in a desert. There's very little that comes out of these. Um, you take your shot. Pick like picks, yeah, like picks later. The only guys who have the career number where again, I'm, if you're looking at Pro Football Reference, it's like the third column over weighted career value. So guys who are above, like if you go to pick 168, or what did I say he was 160 169. Um, you know, guys who are about like the like Lenore a couple picks later, DB got a six. Um, out of Tokumbo, Ogundeji out of Notre Dame, uh, went 182 to Atlanta. He's a defensive lineman. He's had 37 tackles and three sacks. So that's one you could probably look at Tommy Togiai for and say maybe that's a guy they could have selected. Uh, continuing down, guys in double digits like Elijah Lopez, a running back. That Roy Lopez has a 13, so I don't know much about Roy Lopez, but I'm going to look into it a little yeah, bit. That's, that's he's had, like I said, 40 tackles and two sacks. Uh, Eccles has been a guy with a decent career value. Otherwise, guys over like over five. Trey Smith has been a huge pick for Kansas City on the get the guard position. He's had an 18 so far. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> but again, he was huge, huge injury red flag. So he's been healthy so far he was a six rounder pick 226 um jonathan cooper's been a nine so far seventh rounder cooper 239 that's it so it's it's literally an oasis it, right and so, we're spanning the range of like 100 picks that we're talking about here right yeah and Demetric felton's 211 felton's been at what i would expect and he's been you know he's probably been a two he's been a special teams impact he's done some different things he's been on the field a little bit had that great touchdown his rookie year don't know if he hangs on the roster this year but again it's pick 211 man so <laughs> right. whatever yep i should mention too demar hamlin we actually screwed that i screwed that up demar hamlin was a six-round pick pick 212 safety 
went to the Bills. Mm. So that would have been a better selection. But I don't think many people know that. <laughs> so, yeah, DeMar Hamlin so far in his career was the pick right after Felton, 212. 65 tackles, one and a half sacks, and has been pretty solid for them. And I know that if he gets his health back in, in place and continues to play, he's a safety they have some hope for uh, into the future. But, yeah, I, I don't know how I missed that. So Khalil Herbert's also down here, too, the Chicago running back. Uh, I think, I think a, he's a quite good, and that's a guy I wanted. I thought that would have been a great uh, pick for the Browns at that point. And, you know, I've got yeah. the tweets to, to, to say that, so. Yep, that's the end of that draft. So again, thirteen Pro Bowlers. Um, that's that's what you get. So I think like if you're looking the Anthony Schwartz pick, you regret, but Hudson on, I mean Tommy Togiai, you could look at the Roy Lopez, a couple other guys you could have selected there, but it is a wake up call to the Oasis that is most drafts after the like ninetieth pick. It's just it's really tough to find impactful players. 2022 will do quickly because it's so early. Yeah. So, so early. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So Browns make, how many, did, they made a decent amount of picks in this draft. Uh, even though they started with pick 68, they ended up making nine. Did they make 10 selections? Yep. Nine. No, nine, nine, nine. Okay. Nine selections. Martin Emerson. We'll kind of, we'll kind of go through this quickly. Emerson is a, he was an impact starter, man. He was an impact starter, and he was above what we would expect. Yes, he was. I mean, many redrafts had him in the first round from his performance this past year. So you just want to look at DBs that were selected in front of him. Uh, you know, Daxton Hill and Lewis Seen, uh, those are those are more safety types. Jalen Petrie was one of the worst missed tackle players. Roger McCreary, pick 35. Yeah. Um, Bad. <laughs> and, and I don't know. I haven't looked at, again, a lot of these grades. Like Andrew Booth was taken 42. Minnesota moved up to get him. Didn't have a very strong first season. Um, Cam Taylor Britt, promising player. So there's uh, there's some tape from him as rookie year to like. Uh, but then there's Martin Emerson. So, uh, you know, Emerson, 51 tackles, a sack, a bunch of plays on the football. So you, you like him a lot. I just think it's a great pick for where they were sitting uh, so far. It's, it's a lot to like. So above and yeah, that's maybe his best pick. I think yeah. in terms of value and all of that, I would very much agree. This class so far, man, were there only you – know, really, yeah, okay. So there are two rookie Pro Bowl players, Sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen. So Tariq Woolen's pick 153. That's as big an outlier as it gets to have that kind of yeah. – Start uh, start to your career. That's pretty crazy. Uh, pick 85, Marcus Jones, who was another corner to New England, had a really strong year. He gets a 10 weighted average of annual value so far, while I think a 6 or a 5 is what Martin Emerson ended up with. I don't really, again, have a great feel for what the, uh, what the criteria is to come up with these numbers, but it's just a... It's a launching point for conversation, right? So let's see here if I can sort by pick again. So Emerson is 68, top of the third round. Yeah, he's had – they actually only gave him a two. I don't know what that's related to, but Emerson was good. So not going to waste too much time on that one. Um, Alex Wright, pick 78. Yeah, not, not what we hoped he'd be. He made a small impact, so he's a two. He was about what I would expect 
I can't say he's below expectation yet, but you know, 13 tackles didn't record a sack guys who were picked after him, who maybe made a bigger impact that Marcus Jones, we talked about, but they're not going to double up Dylan Parham. Who's a starter on the offensive line for the, for the Raiders. I mean, Zach Carter, the Cincinnati edge, I guess, but he didn't, he didn't really do all too much. Yeah. I, it's hard. There's not a ton of really valuable pieces sitting after here that, you know, I know a lot of us like, like my Jay Sanders, he didn't do all too much for Arizona. He had three sacks though. So something Damian Pierce is pick one Oh seven. So had a nice rookie year, 939 yards. Yeah. I mean, it's like an absolute yeah. wrecking ball at running back. Um, uh, yeah. So, Hard to get mad about that. David Bell is the third. I've never seen a more. I don't know what this person is than David Bell. 24 catches, 214 yards. He's, I guess by 11 personnel standards, you have to call him a three. Like he was on the field for 50% of snaps this year. And that's really your, your base personnel is your starting group. So he's technically a starter. Don't think he will be next year now, but I would say he was at what I would expect in because I can't say he was above or below. I certainly wouldn't go above, but I wouldn't go below. So I would just say an add expectations in a three for him. Yeah. Yeah. As a, you know, 99th pick, um, I was not for the pick, but um, there's nothing I can say at this point other than we'll wait and see. Um, But obviously I think, you know, the Browns making a move to go get Elijah was, you know, it's a little bit indicative of, what they thought about that pick, but uh, I would argue with that rating. I mean, yeah. So, like, I think the weird part about him. Um, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, yeah. um, I think the weird part about him is I just never noticed. The, you see, played fifty percent of the snaps. I I never noticed him on the field ever. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so. that's why I say he's. I don't know enough. Like, there were some stats out there that I saw floated about his separation and other things that were promising. But I just, I I just have never, he was so quiet. There was like some catches he made that were fine, but he never made a, like he never made a huge drop. He never made a big catch. So it's just very much like a, you do the rolling down the street sign with your hand. It's just sort of average. So we'll see if that goes one direction or the other. I know the market share people loved David Bell. So We'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, the trade for Elijah Moore is not really strong for where they think he is going into year two. We'll leave it at that. So wide receivers in this past draft were interesting. Like guys before him, Wondell Robinson picked 43, 227 yards, about the same impact as so far. Um, kind of scrolling up now it was a huge top of the draft with Drake London, Wilson Olave. We think Jamison Williams will be great. John Dotson had his moments. Christian Watson really came on strong. Then you had like John Mechie, who will hopefully be back at some point. Tyquan Thornton did really very little for New England. 22, 247, two touchdowns, a very similar number to David Bell. Um, the guys in between there, Pickens, Pierce, and Sky Moore, you feel the most optimistic about. Two players picked right in front of him, picked 71 and 88. Velas Jones Jr. and Jalen Tolbert combined for nine catches and 100 and like 119 yards together. So they didn't do much picks right after Danny Gray at 105 Aaron uh, Eric Azucama 
125. Romeo Dubs goes for 42, 425, and three, but that's Aaron Rodgers driven. Like, I don't yep. expect to see that Agreed. with their next quarterback. Khalil Shakur would pick 148. He had 10 for 161, a touchdown, had some decent moments. Jalen Naylor went 191, who had 179 yards. So, again, like, I don't think the David Bell pick has been some massive whiff. Now, if you want to say moving out of 42 to go back and pick Emerson at 68, missing Sky Moore, Alec Pierce, Pickens, I could hear that, right? I could hear that. But I think the way Emerson worked out, it's hard to get really grumpy about that. Agreed. You know I, mean? I mean, the guy that I wanted um, was the the kid that went to the Titans out of UCLA. Kyle, what's his Kyle name? Phillips. Ah, Kyle Phillips with one that, L. That was the he guy. Got, he had a really strong preseason. He had a really strong start, but then he got hurt. He was beat right. up all year. Yes, he was. So I have hopes about And I don't him. know where that'll go, but that was the guy that, like, you know, if I was going to criticize, that would be – I did it during the draft. So <laughs> yeah. that would have been the guy that I would have wanted and that I thought fit better and that you could have taken, you know, what is it? Uh, a round later, he went one sixty three. Yeah, pick f- uh, round yeah. five. Yeah, you could have taken two picks um, later for the Browns. But yeah, yeah. okay. So Perry on Winfrey is pick one oh eight. So he uh, obviously has some things going on right now. We'll see where that goes. Um, Winfrey was a two. I guess he made a small impact being on the field as much as he was. But he was below what we all expected. This guy was mocked. I've said it many times on this pod. He was mocked to the Browns two days before by Jordan Reed, who I just had on. Sent him to the Browns in the second round. So he was a guy who had some serious expectations, but maybe we should have understood a little better why he was in the fourth. So I would say he's been below expectation so far with a two for a small, a small impact. Agreed. Okay, so looking at defensive tackles around – like they list positions so weird. It's kind of a, an annoying thing that they do. Uh, 108, top of the fourth, is Winfrey. Um, next defensive tackle selected, Michael Clemens. You know, 22 tackles on the year, while Perion had eight. So two and a half sacks, seemingly a better player out of Texas A&M. So that's a bit of a spot you could call a miss if the next guy up would have been fine right then neil farrell 126 hasn't had any impact and that's kind of it with the rounds closed dj davidson uh, for the giants at 147 so the next pickup would have been a better pick i don't know if how interested they would have been but michael clemens had a better season but again michael clemens is 25 years old now <laughs> so he was an old <laughs> prospect while well, winfrey's going to be 22 during this season uh, if that all works out so we'll see it's not some terrible miss or anything like that. Next pick is Cade York. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough, man. Um, he's below what we expected. He was the first kicker off the board, so you have to slant that expectation. So first kicker off the board, below expectation for me. He, he's a starter, so he's a three. I wouldn't call him impactful yet. And there's a lot of growing that needs to be done here, but yeah, man. I mean, it's it's a below expectation, and I guess a three because by virtue he's just going to start he's the kicker so but he's below what we hoped he would be so far but there's plenty of time to figure this out correct yeah uh you know he's he's going to be below and i'm going to be biased against him because i don't believe in taking kickers at that kind of uh range to begin with so he's well below my expectations 
Um, and I'm just hopeful that getting rid of Prefer um, is good for him. Is he the only kicker drafted? He might have been. I think I know was- that uh, like Baltimore made a like I was like it made me so happy when Baltimore like traded up for a punter. They did this like, kid on round- State, Jordan Stout, yeah. in the so that made me that. happy because that actually was a worse move than us taking Cade York. Four um, punters were I- drafted, by the way, <laughs> which is bonkers too. Yeah. What the you know? Anyway, Cade that, York was know, the only I- kicker selected. So yeah, four. <laughs> wow okay so that's uh that's that we'll see if they live to um regret that at some point i i didn't mind the pick personally because if you want to fix kicker going and getting a talented kicker is okay by me now i know what the some of the things that people say i you're anti-kicker, John. I get it. There are some pe- other people who are anti-kicker. But, like, if you've got a dire situation, going and getting a really talented person, I think is an okay way to approach it when you acquired a free pick back. Because that's what they did with Emerson. They got an extra lotto ticket for that situation. So, like, I was okay with it. But uh, he okay. can't. He All right. can't. If you want to put it in that mode, yes. Okay. Like, I he can't be that. bad, though. And there were moments where some of those misses were so awful. Fucking bad. It reminded me of uh it reminded me of um our boy from Ohio State years back with, that Cincinnati drafted and Nugent, this guy right? is the Nugent was the best kicker in college that I've ever seen. People said Kate York was better than him, right? So we're talking about the same kind of pedigree of kickers. Um and uh they it just doesn't translate very well. I mean, and I guess you know, I mean, it's like any other position uh, in the NFL. Like, um, you just don't have that kind of transfer that you think that you'll always have. But Watch him come um, out and be stellar this year. That'd be a great outcome. I, I would love it. Yep. Yeah. You know, I will, I will I will have no problem telling people I was against the pick and it worked out fantastically. And, I'm, and that's what I'm hoping for because I don't understand exactly how a great kicker goes to the NFL and is not – at least decent you know what i mean like that just doesn't compute for me but anyway it does guess. stink too that cameron dicker the kid out of texas was a udfa who goes to the chargers and he doesn't miss a kick all year he was like almost perfect all year now he did miss one of the biggest kicks of the season for them when he missed that uh decision staley made to kick in the wild card round against jacksonville as jacksonville's mounting that ridiculous comeback he missed the kick ended up being really huge but um Anyway, doesn't help when the UDFAs have nice runs and your pick 124 is struggling a little bit. But guys like immediately after, you're talking about Isaiah Likely, pick 139. So being a pretty nice player, right? Um, uh, yeah. That guy's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we love that. <laughs> Chigo Conquo, kid who I loved out of Tennessee, tight end, uh, out of, sorry, Maryland, goes to Tennessee, 450 and three touchdowns. So two tight ends that that really produced pretty quickly. Tyler Algier, pick 151, and that outside zone scheme goes for over 1,000 yards his rookie year. So just uh, just those guys around, it's tough, but you know maybe Cade York turns around, shuts us up. Jerome Ford, pick next, 156, and you would say what's interesting is I just talked about uh, you know some options there, right, running back options that they could have selected, but it's hard with Jerome Ford because you're sitting behind Nick Chubb and what was Kareem Hunt. You weren't going to get a ton of opportunity. Just unless injury struck, 
you weren't going to get them. He had a nice kick return impact, so I give him a two because he made the roster. He had small impact, but his impact as a kick returner was really promising. He had a bunch of great returns. So I'm just going to say he's an at and he's a, he's a two and largely opportunity driven for me. Yep. Same, same for me. Uh, I'm still high on him. Yeah, me too. I, I'm, I think people are sleeping on some of his ability to step in and have an impact. Ty Chandler's the next running back taken after him. Um, Kevin Harris, New England did nothing. No other running back selected after him really did anything. So like I said, Algier was a couple picks before him. I take that back. <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco picked well, 251 for Kansas City. 170 no. carries, 830 <laughs> yards, and five touchdowns. So He's got an easy job, though. You know. He does. He's playing off of a decent quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I still feel fine with Ford. Sixth-round pick, we talked about wide receivers enough now. Michael Woods is the selection for the Browns at uh, 202. Now, we won't see him this year. He was – Injured a lot of camp. I thought when he got on the field, he ends up with like 48 receiving yards on the year. I actually thought he had some nice wiggle and ability to make people miss, cut like a couple little tunnel screens and had a couple downfield catches. I was pleasantly surprised by him, was hoping to see more, but it's clear he won't be right until like 2024 coming off of an Achilles tear, as we were talking about earlier with Grandel, but it just takes yeah. takes time, man. So sucks so much for him as a six-round player, but I, I was encouraged by some of the signs. I mean, he obviously gets a no impact, so he gets a one. Uh, but I would say he was he was uh, at expectation. I wouldn't call him below expectation yet or anything like that. So that's uh, that's it. What do you what do you think of him? Yeah, no, that's where I'm at. Actually, I thought he was pretty decent when we saw him on the field. So okay, so he gets. Let me see what what pick was he again? He was picked two o two. So the next receiver selected after him. Um, Bo Melton, who didn't see the field for a single game for Seattle. Uh, Derek Young, again, Seattle, didn't two catches, 24 yards. That's really it. And I don't know about the undrafted free agent UDFA class or anybody launching off, but um, yeah, it's hard to call that a miss or anything like that. Last pick is two more picks. Sorry, Isaiah Thomas, who, uh, as pick 223. I liked some of Isaiah Thomas's stuff. He had a couple sacks. Uh, he had one. Uh, PFF has him at two. Uh, Pro Football Reference has him at one. They had four tackles, a sack. I would say he was at expectations for a seventh round pick. He played in 10 games. He got on the field. So, I mean, he's not really much. He makes a small impact. So he's probably a two, um, a small impact because of the 10 games he's out there and he had a sack. He had some good moments. He's at expectations. I don't know if there's a future roster spot for him, but uh, I, I was encouraged. I was encouraged by some of the things I saw. He'll be 24 this year, so we'll see what that looks like. But, yeah, I mean, I thought there was some moments from Isaiah Thomas, especially that sack he had against the Bengals on Monday Night yeah. Football where I was like, man, I thought that was Miles Garrett for a moment. Like, the movement <laughs> looked similar, and he came yeah. off the same edge and all that. So some optimism stuff there. It's a seventh-round pick. He might not even make the roster this year. Hell, who knows? But – there were some moments I thought where I was really intrigued by him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and in fact, just, you know, in terms of positional value, I end up slanting this to and above. Um, I could see that. For, my, for myself, you know, like a, a seventh round edge, um, it's tough to get. Like It's tough to get anything out of a seventh round pick, period. But there's a difference between taking a seventh round center and taking a seventh round edge. 
because of the value um, that that position provides. You're getting less. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, I agree with everything you said. I just slant to above expectation in terms of the second I think that's fair. I'd lean your way too. Dawson, we didn't waste, waste much time on. He said zero impact because he tours ACL and camp and, and, uh, wasn't around. We have no idea. So he's just, uh, an at and a zero impact because we don't, he's never even been in a Browns uniform yet. Doesn't even have a listing on there. So, okay. The thing we should look at real quick is, is how we sort out how many numbers. This is again, not a perfect science, but like how many five, four, three, two, ones they've had in these three drafts. What do you, what is your most common numbers for those? Yeah. Most common numbers are two. Second is a three. How many threes do we have? How many starter 50% do we have out of all those picks? Yep. So out of the threes, we've got five. Okay. So we've got five. How many impact starters do we have? Three. Four. So we have three impact starters over three drafts. And then I would say how many ones or zeros do we have? The ones and zeros constitutes uh, seven. Okay. So you can see how obviously hard drafting is. Cause I think if we do this for a lot of teams, we're going to get some pretty damn similar results where you have pretty much one real starter, uh, sorry, one real impact starter, a draft, and then, you know, an uptick and maybe your guys who start 50% of games. And again, reminder, we're doing this three years out. Like these guys, it's so early for so many of these guys. And especially the ones we, you know, just rookies last year, it's a little bit tricky, but I don't look at these drafts and see gigantic failures. And I think the part that you have to analyze is how many guys after them that we pointed out, how many times do we sit here and say, Oh man, they really missed out on that player. Like I think Schwartz is the one that we said, but I'm Schwartz a- and uh, you know, it would be Wills, you know, those are the, those are the two selections. And obviously at the 10th overall pick, you have the majority of the entire draft to choose from, but those are the two where you're like, Oh, man, I wish we would have done something different there. Yeah, it's it's not it's not as many as you would think. Uh, for some of you, I think that's like Andrew Berry's terrible. They're finding some guys who have small rules right now. We'll see if those rules expand, but this gives you a great indication of why UDFA and waiver wire and all these other parts of roster building, such as how did you get Wyatt Teller or how did you get Elijah Moore? You got to be creative. You got to go out and get these people, and I think that this gives you an indication of the inexact science that is drafting. And yeah, I think at some point John and I will analyze this from the perspective of, uh, you know, compare what we do is like today's the first data leg and maybe we'll really quickly go through some teams, maybe in the AFC North and compare like, especially Baltimore who people praise all the time. Uh, Maybe maybe we'll do that ahead of time and then go through the results of those. Maybe that's what we'll do. If we get together on our next pod, Uh, hopefully before the draft, we'll go through the AFC North teams and see how the Browns compare and, try to analyze it that way and see if Andrew Barry is over this three-year period. How, how does he stack up to the rest of the highly respected and, and justifiably so um, AFC North. So I hope you got something out of this. You might not agree with every single thing that we said here, but hopefully some of it was informative to show you where these picks sit. And like the, the, you think there are a bunch of names after these guys who are like pick 90 and later, and it's not really the case, man. It's really not. So uh, anything to add, John, before we go? Because I think maybe this episode is laying the groundwork for a much more informative and comparing him Andrew Barry episode later on. But I think there's a lot of certainly a lot to take out of this so far. I think this played out about how I expected. And again, I think the, the big missing piece and a lot of people that uh, 
you know, want more out of the draft is, is, is the perspective. And, and so that's pay attention to, you know, what Jake was saying is he goes through these lists, you know, I, I just think that uh, people have a inflated expectation about how many good players are actually available. So, yeah, I think the context is great. And I think that going through it is about what I thought, you know, uh, there's been study after study. The study indicated that I don't care who you think is really good at the draft. Nobody beats the draft. It's more of a lottery. It's like a slot machine. There are numbers and there's, you know, you know, you might hit a big one, one minute or whatever, but uh, generally, you know, if you are forced to play those slots over time, you're going to have, you know, results that match what the odds are. So nobody beats the draft. Yeah. So think about that. The next time somebody in the media attacks an Andrew Berry draft selection, the way we, uh, the way we just saw, because how do you, how do you think he's perceived media wise? I just want to give you that window of chance to talk about that. Yeah, I think pretty bad. You know, I think that, um, you know, you're talking about a guy who's only had a couple of first round picks, only one that was in the top 10. Um, and Jed is frustrating and he's polarizing for a lot of people. So I think the general, um, and, and people tend to, by the way, judge, GMs on the draft, which is probably the least amount of weight you should be putting on a GM's scorecard, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have like a report card, the draft would be the, the the section where I would have the least amount of weight placed. And what's important is, you know, the deals that they sign, you know, did those pan out? Are they given the right, you know, deals to the right people? Um, you know, which you have like a lot of decisions that don't factor in when you talk about AB, which is they didn't sign Baker to a long-term deal. Um, and you can see, you know, how much of an impact that has right now. You know, um, uh, you know, I think it's fair to criticize some of those other issues that he did. But again, like how would they manage the cap? Um, how, you know, they are able to trade. Like the Amari Cooper trade was fantastic. That Amari Cooper trade is better than any draft pick he's made. Yeah. Um, you know, like I think that the Elijah Moore one has a, you know, we could be saying the same thing this next year on that. So that that's the only point I would want to drive home to people is like, if you were going to talk about trades, um, you know, uh, free agent and extensions, uh, cap management and draft, if that was your report card for what a GM, uh, you know, what the value of a GM is the weight that I would give those grades, I would have the least amount in this draft because of things like what we just went through. So, yeah, that's well said, John, well said. Cause I, I again, you, you can get swept up in your own market more than anything else. Fans too, is we only look at it from Cleveland's perspective and we don't look around the league to see what's going on. Right. And you can, you can be a decent drafter, right. But if you can, you know, make the right decisions on who to keep or, or make the right decisions on trades, you can make up for a lot of things. And, I think we talk about Jimmy Haslam, the baked in uh, advantages he's given his guys on top of Andrews. I think he's pretty dang shrewd at some of these trades. You got a pretty decent uh, operation running here. So a lot of fun stuff all around fun exercise, John, appreciate your time, man. I know it's uh it's rare to get it. It's valuable. And the insights were great, buddy. I appreciate it going through this with you. Yeah. I had a good time. Uh, thanks for having me on Jake. All right, that's an episode worth a, a well over an hour worth of, of Browns draft Andrew Barry analysis. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks to John for being here. Thanks to you guys for stopping by on this fine Saturday. 
check out yesterday's franchise mode with Andrew Spade. And then I'll be back with Brad Ward for your Sunday things. I think I know about the Cleveland Browns as well. If you're into weekend podcasting content, we'll have plenty of it available for you. So thanks again, guys. Appreciate you being here. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.